Hi, everyone. Welcome to Fluency, a podcast dedicated to exploring the intersection of yoga and psychology, a place to consider all aspects of our humanness and tools to bring home to our own inner lives. I'm Livia Cohen Shapiro. I'm a mama, a wife, a yoga teacher, a somatic therapist, and I'm the founder of Applied Psychology for Yogis and the School for Ecstatic Unfoldment. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. And as I've mentioned before, this is my first endeavor into a podcast. And over the next six weeks or so in this first season of Fluency, I'll be bringing you some excerpts and interviews that very much align with and reflect the teachings and experiences of my upcoming course, Emotional Literacy for Yogis. And Emotional Literacy for Yogis is a nine-month course that blends academic rigor, deep personal inquiry, and specific techniques to bring yoga and somatic psychology into a more seamless integration for yoga practitioners and teachers. It's designed for yoga practitioners and teachers alike from any style and length of practice. And really all you need is a body and computer and a longing. So enjoy. Welcome back to Fluency, this podcast endeavor. And I'm here with Judy, who uh, is a, an amazing yoga teacher in New York, and she's going to tell us a little bit about her journey from working in the city and now living upstate and all of the many transformations that have occurred in such a short period of time in the time that I've known her. And, uh, and she has, she's also teaching a lot of bilingual yoga and teaching a lot of mamas and just really carving a path in the yoga industry that doesn't necessarily look like that classic yoga teaching in a studio. She's really had to find her own way. And I think it's such a beautiful, um, uh, such a beautiful process. And it's been an honor to watch her unfold in her path. And I'm so excited to, that you're here and to share your experience with everyone listening and all that. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm like really honored and excited to share. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, in this context of um, considering the course, Emotional Literacy for Yogis, but also other courses and work yeah, that you've yeah. done, because you've actually um, gone through the entire curriculum of Applied Psychology for Yogis, yep. which is amazing. Um, yep. One of a few people who have done that. And so just if you would tell us a little bit about that process, like, what drew you to the work and some perhaps some highlights around what really yeah. has been harvested and um, oh, sort of opened up for you, but also stuff that was maybe um, like challenging or hard or things like that. So yeah. give us a little bit of the full spectrum. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also did your mentorship. So when you say the full curriculum, it also included the, the nine month mentorship. So I've really right. been um, very, uh, like invested and in, in the work, um, in the work, in this work with you. Um, so I, we met during my teacher training, you came and taught a module, um, about, um, like the shadow and, um, somatic connection to, to teaching and to practicing. And I remember that when you came in, it was like, for me anyway, what really, it was like the missing link. Um, I'd been practicing yoga, for a, a while, 
Um, and I'd also been going to therapy for a while. And um, I knew that yoga like was part of um, like some part of my healing process, I guess. And I wasn't like able to connect the dots between that and like the therapy aspect. But when you came in and taught that model, it was like, oh, my God, the body is a part of this process, too. Right. Because when we're in therapy, it's like talk. And then you're in yoga, it's like movement. And then I knew that both helped me. But then to be able to bring the two together was um, what really drew me to the work that you're doing, the, that somatic piece of it. Mm, I'm not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like revolutionary for me. I remember being like, oh, my God, I have to learn more about this. And then, um, you know, through uh, kind of. Um, meeting through the teacher training and checking, you know, becoming Facebook friends and seeing all of your offerings that I immediately signed up for. I think the first one was applied psychology for yogis. And just that work was so as a, as a person, as a, a teacher trainee and getting ready to start teaching um, was so helpful for me um, going in as a new teacher into like into, te- into ca- classrooms and studios. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tremendously helpful. Mm-hmm. What do you think, um, what do you think was like maybe the one, two or three like most useful things when you first started out? Um, with teaching, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just the, the piece about kind of as a new teacher going in the room, it can be a little overwhelming with like everyone in the room and then you're, you're, you're rolling in as far as like remembering your sequence and, um, managing the room and what's happening and managing yourself, right. And not getting drawn in so that I always remember like the, the two incredibly useful things for me as a new teacher were the witness process, like staying grounded and mm-hmm. like the witness part of it. And then that one eye in one eye out, which was helpful for me twofold because it was in my yoga practice, right? Like being able to um, track that process of one eye in, one eye out, the, the sensations in my body, and that, and that piece was tremendous for me as well. Um, and then also, like, still staying grounded and present and not getting pulled one way or the other, just kind of balancing those two. So in my personal practice, that was huge for my, my growth. And then as, as a teacher, I think your practice kind of influences the way you teach and then being in the room, being able to kind of keep that one eye in grounded in my, in my body and in my breath, but then also one eye out and what was happening in the room was like one of the, it was hard to do, but it was like such an incredibly useful um, tool for my teaching and my practice and still is. Yeah. Still is. <laughs> That's so awesome to hear because I get the feedback a lot that this concept of what we call oscillation of attention is really helpful for teachers. And I remember when I learned that concept at Naropa and I started applying that into my teaching, I, it was so helpful. It's like I was able to tap into that well of energy where I wasn't like leaving my classes feeling so depleted And it also really helped with, um, yeah, it helped with not feeling depleted after teaching, like really sort of riding the kind of the waves of teaching and going to class to class and then back into my regular life. And then, um, and then also like staying connected to inspiration, but also it seems to help with 
the inner critic, like a lot of the, you know, I would teach a class and then I would be like obsessing about if the class was good (laughs) or not, or did it work? Right. And it really (laughs) helped with that inner critic. And so the oscillation of attention for those of you who are listening and haven't heard this concept from me before, there's basically the oscillation of attention is how we um, shift and change our attentional muscle and and right. the focus of that. And there's three main ways we do that. One, which Judy just mentioned, which is the one eye in, one eye out, where we're t- continually tracking. We've got one eye in on ourselves, tracking what's going on for us, and then one eye tracking what's happening around us and with those around us. But there's all, there's two other ways. One is called narrow panoramic and the other is foreground background. And when we start to kind of commingle all of those three ways with traversing the room, there's so much like, boom, it puts you right into that embodied in the moment, in the experience. You can't really go anywhere else but the now. Yeah. And it's actually yeah. way less depleting to be all the way in the deep water of the class. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and in the beginning, it was hard to do precisely because of what you said. I, I think when you're a new teacher and you walk in the room, there's this like need to be all in the students' process, and there's the, the tendency to get pulled out of your body even and your breath. And um, that was like a huge piece for me to be able to um, stay grounded, and I think um, allows you to serve the students in a much more um, productive way, also. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like that that sort of mental skill set also helped you develop a home practice? Tremendously. Um, Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I feel like there's so many things I want to say, like when you were asking like what helped, but there, there were so many pieces of it. And I think the other thing about um, about the work that you're you're doing and the, the offerings that you have is that you'll find, I feel like it's I've known you now for three years, that it continues, it's like it continues to kind of um, absorb and develop and like fine tune because it's, it's, you know, it's something you can use not just in your teaching and in your practice, but even in your day to day life, I feel like, but yeah, I feel like it, it, it helped me with my, um, with my practice a lot. I had mostly been practicing in studios, um, like studio settings and a little bit of home practice. But I feel like once we started working together, the other piece that was really crucial for me um, of this one eye in and one eye out, this oscillation of attention was the sensations, the tracking of sensation. And like, it seems like it would be like a natural thing if you're, (laughs) if you're doing yoga or if you're um, you know, doing move, movement that you would be connected to your sensations, um, like to your body, right? Because that's what it's about. And you are, but just bringing my attention and, and developing a vocabulary for sensation was so powerful as well. Um, and, and, and so the oscillation of attention came in where it was like working the mechanics of the pose, right? Which sometimes you can get really caught up in. And kind of almost like because you're caught up in it and in the perfection aspect, right? Disconnect from what your body needs in the shape. And then with the oscillation of attention, being able to feel like what's happening in the pose in your body. Like, where is it tight? Where is it loose? Like, you know, open? Where are you? Where is it, how does it feel? Cold, tingly? Like, all, all those words were such a um, useful, like, um, like, 
again, tool for my practice and for teaching, just to be able to notice not so much emotion. And I think we talk a lot about that in your work too, where emotion is important, but like, what does the emotion, like, what does that feel like in your body? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it was a game changer for my, my personal practice because um, just, it brought me more into my body and it, and it grew like the, 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 the practice for me. Like I was more um, in, in, in that process of being in my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I personally find that investigation always interesting. Like, yeah. It's, it's this sort of psychologically we talk about like extrinsic motivation and intrinsic motivation, extrinsic motivation being that like, uh, you know, we're doing it for this, for this like outside, uh, reason or validation. And that's not necessarily bad, right? Like if we say to our kids, like, you know, do your homework so you can get an ice cream and I'm sort of making that up, but (laughs) versus like do your homework because you want to learn. And this is like, you know, this, at first the extrinsic motivation, it, it, it can be a step, it's a step, it should be a stepping stone towards this intrinsic, um, motivation for, especially for practice. And the, I find that the use of the alignment technique and the, the awareness of the mechanics and working with that can really be a very helpful external motivator, but it's not the only, it's not the only thing. And this this tracking of sensation can just bud this inner life in a whole other way. And the value of that inner world is just, you know, Absolutely. you can't put a price and, tag on that. No, definitely. Yeah. And I also, um, yeah, actually you just tapped into one of the reasons I think that it, 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 it makes your practice so much more interesting. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, you know, like, I, I do enjoy going to a studio setting and being led, but when I'm home, just being able to be in that process that you're talking about is really fascinating day to day, depending on what's happening with me to notice like what's coming up, not just emotionally. And, and that's like an obvious thing with yoga to some degree, but it's, it's sort of what I think when you're in pr- pr- private practice, at home, like when you're practicing at home, um, solo practice, um, that's so much more of an intense, Um, process than when you're in the studio Mm -hmm. personally for me Mm -hmm. um and it's a very interesting like exciting exploration Mm -hmm. um and and then like gives me a lot of information about like my inner that's that was like the piece that was once I started doing this work along with therapy there was just like leaps and bounds of like understanding Mm -hmm. because of this connection Mm -hmm. to that sensation part for sure that's amazing yeah (laughs) <laughs> are there other like aspects of if you think about the curriculum that you've gone through that have really stood out for you? Um, one of my favorites, and I've done it. I'm like I, I basically took this um, twice. I think I did two of them twice: emotional literacy and then dirty little secrets. Mm-hmm. Because it's um, the the shadow work piece is something I'm still definitely like exploring and diving into um we all are yeah and and it's like an ever ever oh it's a continuous process for sure but um I feel like that was very I mean that's why our teacher training brought you in the Mm -hmm. shadow piece the Mm -hmm. guru piece Mm -hmm. um like so thankful for that all the time because I feel like it is um one of the reasons I resisted teacher training for a while is because I thought it was like 
so lofty and so like mm. you know rainbows and butterflies and you kind of have to be you know you know vegan and all these, all these different like stereotypes around what you need to be what what you needed to be to um to in order to be a good yoga teacher mm. and the shadow piece um really was such so liberating for me i feel like um to be to stay on this path to serve and teach um that you know it doesn't have to look a certain way it can be you can eat like meat and <laughs> be a yoga teacher and you can like uh um you know be flawed and actually like those flaws are going to um you know allow you to to, to teach and to serve from a from a more real place so that shadow piece was huge for me as well mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Which is a unit, I mean, in the, for those listening, we do a unit on the shadow in emotional literacy. It's not a huge unit, but we do, we do go there as part of following the kind of, um, the psychosocial developmental map that we use. And then the right. shadow course is almost if you were to like accordion that whole piece out into just this wider right. exploratory realm yeah and i would also say that um the introject um piece was super helpful and um and you know as a new teacher like this was something that was super helpful with our work is like wanting to be liked (laughs) it's like such a such a hard thing right Mm. like what you were saying like so the ego yeah was that class good enough like did everybody feel good ego and inner critic that was really um you know a, a, a big a tough thing to um work through mm-hmm. and i feel like um this course helped me to kind of like release some of that and just understand like what not everybody people don't have like it doesn't always have to be perfect it doesn't always have to um, make everyone happy like as long as, and maybe what they need is to just feel what they're feeling right like so there was such a big um release of that ego part of like and that worry um through this work as well and the 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 interject part of like just kind of being careful with that as well was so helpful with my teaching and even again with my practice and with my teachers right like what am I taking on that isn't mine like you know being able to differentiate um between what's mine and what's theirs as a teacher with my students but also as a student with my teachers right like taking what served and releasing the rest, right? And mm-hmm. and kind of being able to show up um, in that same way for my students. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So much of the of the course and all the, the work that I do is really about this differentiation and individuation process and the many ways that that manifests yeah. in our lives. Like, and it's so great that you bring up the topic of um, or the concept of an introject because that's actually one of the teachings. It's an- another episode in this season. Yeah. yeah it's all is <laughs> like the healthy use of introjects and like how that right. can engage us in a process of individuation. And, you know, I think it's um, when we're, when we're learning from a teacher and we become bonded with them, it's, yeah. And, and we're sort of on that path with them, the process of then individuating from them is, can be really um, gnarly 
And I'm not, and I am not convinced that we actually do it all that well in the yoga world. I'm not convinced we do it all that well in general, but you know, a good teacher, a good mentor that will, will embark on this process of individuation with you. Like ideally we should want our students to become our colleagues. Right. Yes. Right. Like that's one of the reasons it's so awesome to have you on this interview because I love being your colleague. It's like, (laughs) and that process is, is hard. I mean, to like, to sit in that discomfort of like, of, um, being close, being apart, being close, being apart and, and disagreeing. You know, I try to, at least as much as I can, I try to give a lot of space for no, for pushing back. And, you know, to be quite honest, that's not always that easy. Like, Sometimes they're when I get the email from a student that I love and they're like, I can't take the course or I don't want to do this or they're pushing back in some way. Like, I can't say that that doesn't hurt sometimes. It does, but it's not about them. It's about me. Right. And so just kind of managing my own process has been good as I'm, I know it has been for you too. And I feel like one of the things that our work in applied psychology for yogis does in general, my, I mean, at least my hope is that we're actually modeling what healthy community could be and what healthy relation, like student teacher maturing relationships could be like going through this process of, um, studentship mentee into colleague. Like that's important right. to me because when I was a new teacher, I was not like, I had some crappy mentors actually the, those relationships did not end well. And, and, right. I've also had some really incredible relationships. So yeah, I'm, I, I hope that we're doing that. Oh yeah, definitely. And I, and I, and I would add to that, that I feel like in what you were saying that our hope should be that eventually our students become our colleagues. I feel like that's also influenced how I show up in the classroom too, which is just like, you know, I'm in it with you. I'm not, you know, yes, I am kind of, I am the teacher and I'm kind of leading the class, but like, let's, let's explore this shape or let's explore this for your practice. Right. Mm-hmm. And not this sort of being told this is the only way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I feel like that's, and, and in my own practice as well, that's definitely helped. And my, and in my relationships with my teachers, like you're saying, like that have evolved and, um, and I feel like I've been able to uh, kind of manage that interject process mm-hmm. um, a little more skillfully. It is still hard, like you're saying. It's still like um, you know sometimes challenging, but it's been so helpful mm-hmm. to have that. Just as a um, to just be aware of that, mm-hmm. like like to have that as a as a thing to to notice and to pay attention to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I was also struck by. Uh, something you said with mentioning the interject and the ego and um, this sort of inner critic and then differentiation and individuation. And actually those concepts interjects, ego, inner critic, differentiation, individuation, the witness function, that's kind of has this very interesting um, matrix to it, those concepts. And they're really, those are a lot, the concepts a lot that go into maturing on the path and I mean maturing through our through the life cycle but I also like to I mean we have a life cycle of practice and so one of the things that um 
I think we come up against a lot, especially as yoga teachers and practitioners who have a very um, strong background in alignment and the mechanics yeah. of the poses is the, the inner critic masquerades as the witness function. I get that. <laughs> people bring that up every year. And you, yeah. you have brought that up many times before of like, oh, that's yeah. not actually my like observing non-judgmental self that's like right. aware of this. That's actually this inner critic that is an interject of this other thing in my life, right? right. Like for some of us, our inner critic sounds like um, like a younger part of ourselves or like a parent or a te- another yeah. teacher or something like that. But the inner critic is very, um, it's a trickster. And so it, it masquerades as like the higher self. It can masquerade as um, buddhi, B-U-D-D-H-I. It can masquerade as this like pervasive witness consciousness, this buddhi, but it's not actually. It's a function of the ego. And so when we can harness that understanding and that interject, it naturally puts us on this process of, oh, this is who I am, of that individuation process. Right. Right. And I think you have have done that so much over the past years. Yeah, it's been, and it's like, you know, to use your word, it's that integration process uh-huh. too, like the integration um, of like, you know, all, all the aspects of ourselves. And yeah, I feel like that's been a huge, um, another huge like support that I've gotten out of this work is being able to like notice when it's the inner critic, when it's the witness function, when it's, you know, the voice of my mom or my, my teacher or whatever, as opposed to me, for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would also add, just because you were saying this in the beginning, um, when you were introducing me, just like that another thing that came out of this was just me, like, I used to have this idea of what teaching had to look like, you know, in a studio or owning the studio or just like, just very, like very rigid, um, you know, roles. And I've like through this work allowed myself to kind of open up to all these different possibilities of teaching and teaching in a clinical clinic or teaching, you know, at a school or teaching um, just in different settings. And that's been, I think, um, part of the work, right? Like, um, and part of the integration, just like, where do you, where do you, um, connect to the work and kind of working from that soulful place as opposed to the place, again, that inner, like the way that it should look kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to just add that as well. Yeah. Well, <laughs> tell everyone about the work that you do and kind of what it's been like, Entering into the yoga world as a newer teacher and then teaching in studios and just give us a little bit kind of the trajectory that you've been on and what you're doing now. Yeah. So I I was in the corporate world for a long time. And when I was doing my teacher training, I was still working full time. So it was hard for me to visualize how I was going to make like the leap over. And again, because I thought like, you know, there's only one way to do this. And I feel like a lot of our you know, conversations and um, like mentoring, one-on-one mentoring, and then even just being part of the um, webinars with other people, other teachers and students that were um, kind of doing their thing and, and kind of carving their, their path um, was really inspiring. And so I'm currently um, teaching 
prenatal yoga and a couple of vinyasa um, classes. And the prenatal studio is actually in a women's health clinic. It's a midwifery clinic. So it's not like a traditional space. So good. Um, but it's really cool. And then um, I'm also teaching um, in the Bronx here in the city for a uh, community health network, which is, um, you know, they offer uh it's pretty much like a doctor's office or clinic for um, underserved populations. And they're now got a grant to do wellness, um, to provide wellness um, offerings. And so I'm working there as well and it's paid. So it's pretty, it's been pretty um, amazing to just see like that I was able to kind of expand my vision of what this could be, right. That it didn't, because I, at the beginning was like, how am I ever going to support myself just in the studio setting unless I teach 25 classes? But there's been such a great um, wider vision of how to do this through just being in this community with you and, and working some of it out with you. Mm-hmm. And really ultimately following like that soul calling in many ways, like mm-hmm. even if it didn't um, necessarily, if I couldn't necessarily see how it was going to pan out. Like Mm -hmm. it didn't look how I thought it should look or would look. And it's been really like a great, um, just process. And and I'm just really grateful. I'm literally now going to start doing this full time, like full time teaching. And, um, yeah, it's really exciting. And how do you, yeah. I mean, as you sort of make, as you make that leap to the other side, what's that like for you? (laughs) um I'm actually feeling it took me as you know it took me like three years I kind of had like one foot in and one foot out and um yeah no to everybody listening do not quit your day (laughs) job right away right yeah (laughs) definitely yes this is not like me something that you run out immediately like it it takes some time to figure it out and to find your way and I think And I, I, this is what I'll say about the work that I was doing with you. Like if I didn't have the support, I think I might've quit the yoga because I would have been like, there's no way to do this. Like I can't teach. I have to only work. And I think like just being able again to hold both, um, like, uh, possibly like to basically manage both worlds, um, as I figured out what this would look like for me. So many of the, 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 the tools that you offer here were like, support in that process because it it was hard there were times I thought maybe I shouldn't teach I'm not going to be able to do this but um you know I'm I'm glad I kind of didn't quit my day job (laughs) and just like continued to kind of explore where I was being pulled towards and 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 like a wider view of how how you can do this work that it isn't just like you know one way Mm -hmm. So, Tell us also a little bit about the bilingual yoga. Yeah. I, yeah. Yes. My, my classes at that clinic at community health network are bilingual there. Um, so I, and that was like another cool new way to, to, to offer, um, to teach yoga that I never thought about until, um, the opportunity rose up. And, um, yeah, so I teach both in English and Spanish. It's obviously beginner level, but I love it. And I feel like there's such in like, there's such interest actually. And and I think it's like, so such important work because, um, I've seen the benefits like through working at this clinic of people who are coming in with anxiety or depression or recovering from, you know, um, addiction, um, or injuries and just wouldn't have gone into a yoga studio ever because it would be intimidating or it was expensive. And the language as a barrier language. I mean, it's hard enough to know like what, 
Like, what is down dog anyway? It's wild that living in New I'm, I'm, a, I'm a city kid. I grew up in New York, but there's very, it's now slowly beginning to build that there's more offerings in Spanish and, and I feel like there should be more offerings in different, in uh-huh. different languages. Uh-huh. But just that um, diversity piece, uh-huh. um, I feel really, really passionate about because I feel like there's a lot of good um, like benefits that, that this underserved communities would get if they didn't feel so intimidated to go into a studio because the a they don't speak the language or b they you know it seems like it's not for them yeah. um so that's been really like that's kind of like my passion project like i i feel really honored that i'm able to do that can you tell tell us also a little bit about like your background because i i mean all of you listening you can't you're not seeing <laughs> judy but she's not like you know, a skinny little white chick going into some underserved population. That's, it's not this like classic thing. Like this is, yeah. this is actually like a woman going to her roots. Like yeah. it, it's, a, it's just a different thing. And I, and I feel like that's also partly why it's doing so well. Like it's really taking off yeah. for you is because you're not an outsider going in. You've actually gone back yeah. to your home community and brought something that, served you well back almost like back home absolutely yeah so i i grew up in the washington heights neighborhood of new york which is in upper manhattan and it's primarily a dominican puerto rican like latino neighborhood um and so i uh, you know feel so incredibly honored to be able to kind of go in you know i have like I, I, just that idea of looking like the person, I think that it helps when you see somebody who looks like you to, to kind of relieve some of, I mean, you know, maybe that's not PC to say, but it's true to see somebody who looks like you kind of doing um, something you maybe wouldn't have done before. It becomes a possibility then because you're like, oh, wait, you're, you speak Spanish and you're Dominican too. And maybe there's something, maybe this yoga thing is for me. And I've, I've heard from like my, my Latino students, like, oh, I would have never done it because I thought it was very, like, American or, like, it just wasn't, I didn't understand what it was. It just, and and feeling, again, intimidated to go into a space where everybody's, um, looks the same and they maybe don't speak the language. So I'm really, it's been, like, an incredible honor for me to be able to teach in Spanish and make it fun and, like, make it accessible, too. Like, make it less formal and just have some fun and crack some jokes and, mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> do you feel like when you're teaching in that realm, like another aspect of Judy, like the Latina Judy can come out more? Totally. Uh-huh. And, it, and it kind of has to, because if I were to walk in, like, you know, let's sit and bring our hands together in front of our head and own people would like, you know, there's also like a lot of cultural um, things. You have to watch religious things. People would be like, what's this oming? Is this like yeah. a religion? You know, there's, there's that perception as well. Yeah. So I, I walk in very differently and I, you know, try to create a, an environment that's like laid back, super laid back, super chill. And I have to kind of, you know, um, meet them where they are. So sometimes it's just like breathing and lifting their arms up and down and just kind of, you know, uh, exploring this totally new way to move mm-hmm. for a lot of, you know, I have people from older generations that come with injuries and are like, what is this? Right. So I have to kind of keep it really simple. It's a very different way to teach than what I'm teaching in a studio and, mm-hmm. you know, place your foot here and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, breathe this way. I kind of have to make it much more accessible for them. And then over time I've seen tremendous 
like I've had students now at this clinic, I've been teaching there since November who have been coming the whole time and are now like doing sun salutations and, and breathing so beautifully, like they're on their breath. But in the beginning, it had to be like, you know, much more accessible, like, and fun. I definitely have to make it more fun and lighthearted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's been great. Thanks. Thank you for sharing a bit of that part of your life with us anything else that you just feel like you want to share in this moment about where you're at in your teaching or um things about this course or another course or um you know yeah really really anything like um I just, again, I started with, with this work three years ago through the ecstatic unfoldment online school. And I feel, I think the biggest thing that I would say is that it's the type of um, learning that you will continually refer back to. And that it's, you know, in the beginning it was hard. Like even that oscillation of attention was like so hard to do. And the tracking of sensation was so hard. There was sometimes resistance to it, but I, but it's, no matter what, even even if that's the case, it's always come like if I'm practicing, if I'm teaching, it'll still like show up. Mm-hmm. And over the course of three years, I can't believe like how far I've come with my teaching and with my my private practice, um, and or my personal practice, I should say. And um, yeah, I would say that that's. Um, I think that you once said it that it's like you digest it slowly, mm-hmm. like it's. But it's so it becomes just such a, a huge like part of your process, and um, I think it enriches like both your your practice and your teaching. Mm. Um, and then I'm just like so grateful because again, for me, it was just such a missing link. Like I didn't, I knew I felt better when I did yoga, but I didn't fully like always understand why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I knew I felt better like when I was in therapy to some degree, but there's like this missing thing. And when I was able to just understand too that, um, and it should be automatic, like as a yoga practitioner, but it isn't always, I, I think that the body matters, that the, the, the somatic experience matters. That was like a game changer mm-hmm. for me. Um, and even in my, like in my own life, like I can, like I'll slow down and be like, what am I feeling? Is there a pit in my stomach or am I like, relaxed and like you know how how am I experiencing this moment or this situation and I'm able to it just gleans so much more information um and it's just changed so much about like not even just my teaching and my practice but my life actually mm. so I'm I'm a bit of Olivia like goofy. <laughs> well I mean it's yeah, not it's not even me it's just it's these teachings it's it's, work. Yeah. yeah it's the work and then <laughs> Um, and then going out and applying it both personally and professionally and, and being willing to try, try it out, right? Like it's one thing to learn a concept and it's another thing to be like, Hmm, maybe I want to start experimenting with it and trying it out and seeing what happens. And, um, I think people who come and take the courses, they're, they're, they're willing to, um, risk trying new things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and also I think, and you were academic nature of the class, like really liking sort of that, like the pace of like the, the pace of it. And then like having these readings and the books and the exercises that was seemed to really give you 
um, like the academic quality of it gave you like a, an anger and also like if fulfilled something that you were looking for, because you were also applying to graduate school at the time too. Yeah. So yeah, we get, we get plenty of people who actually are, they've been like hanging out in these like learning environments, but they need something a little more structured and academic and, if you are like that, I mean, I'm like that. I really like academia um, and reading and writing. And um, so that's very much infused into the program. So um, yeah, definitely. And so much of the reading that you um, suggest through some of these programs have been so helpful again, personally, professionally, like just across a broad range of, of, of ways in my life. So yeah. Definitely. Can you tell people <laughs> where to um, just learn more about you or come find you at a class yeah. or something? So I have I have a, 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 a website and mm-hmm. it's just Judy Judy and that's J U D I C H E C O. And usually I list like where I teach right now. I'm teaching in Westchester, um, so a little more upstate New York, and um, and in the Bronx. If you know at, at Community Health Network, if there's anybody that that people know that would benefit from taking a class in Spanish or, you know, just to be get like a, in that setting, someone who wants to take yoga or find out more about what it is. And that's like a great um, setting and all that information is on my site. So awesome. And especially for um, folks in Westchester who um, pre and postnatal mamas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's at um, Prana prenatal yoga, which is in Harrison, New York. Um, it's exclusively pre and postnatal um uh, classes and we're really like passionate about it and that's also been such an incredible way to like um, serve like just working with women it's really been fulfilling and yeah really enjoying that as well yeah. it's sort of sweet Judy took a training with this woman um, with Rapio <laughs> who trained um, our nanny is um, my daughter Olive her nanny is um also a doula and Wapio trained our nanny and yeah. I'm going to a um, training with her soon too. So yeah, I love that other kind of like I can't mama wait to midwifery yeah. doula-ing thing we've got yeah. going on. That was like, that's sort of like cool and popped out of nowhere. Totally. totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Oh, thank you for your time and just sharing your experience. And um, of course, it's my pleasure. Yeah, Definitely. it's been just such a um, joy for me to watch your process unfold. It's been really um, exciting and interesting and fun. And um, thank you so much. And I, it was my pleasure to be here. And, yeah, um, great. <laughs> and thanks all of you for listening go seek out judy if you are inspired and of course if you are interested in the emotional literacy for yogis course it starts october 17th and you can find out more information about that on my website ecstaticunfoldment.com and just go to the online offerings and find emotional literacy and all the infos there registration payment plans all the good stuff and hope to see you there